last week on Hope for Amy. And after being clean and seeing that there's a different way to live, and it's so much better, you know, it's so much better. I mean, we just had to learn it. We just had to learn how to be accountable. We had to, you know, learn how to deal with our emotions. Uh, we, there was so much to learn and, and it was difficult. It was very difficult. Don't think for one second that there weren't times that I wanted to throw the towel in and, and be done with it. But I would just go, to, you know, I'd go to these meetings and I would just do what I had to do. Um, as big of a struggle as it was, I didn't use no matter what. Hello, and welcome back to Foster Care, an Unparalleled Journey, with Jason and Amanda Palmer. This week, we're going to hear the end of Hope for Amy. She talks about getting her kids back, the struggle to stay clean, and taking care of her criminal cases. We're glad you guys came back to hear the end of this story. Be sure and run by the website, jasonmpalmer.com, and the Facebook page, at Foster Care, an Unparalleled Journey, and give us a like, and let us know what you think. Be sure you leave us a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever platform you use to get your podcast. Now back to the show. 11 months after my kids were taken, um, they turned custody back over to my husband and I, and we got them back. And I think that was like maybe eight or nine months in, you know, we were at the point where we were getting our overnight visits and from like Thursday to Monday we would have them. And so we we moved through it pretty quickly for as serious as everything was. But then as soon as we got them back in care, they're like, okay, now you guys got to go to court for this criminal stuff. And, I, and Children's Vision knew that that was there, but at this point it was like, we were doing so good that they couldn't just say, no, you can't have them. So they said, look, get a plan in action, plan, figure out if you do both go to prison, what's going to happen to your kids? You know what I mean? So we did that. You know, we, we lined it up where, you know, my sister was going to take care of them. They would go back basically to where they had been if this happened. And so the, the court date came and uh, I had a 9 a.m. and he had it 1 p.m. on the same day was our sentencing. I went in there. Um, I had a public defender who... She used to, she would tell me, she'd be like, Amy, you are the most stellar client that I have, not to toot my own horn, but, but um, she was like, you know, mostly I come in here and, I, and I'm forced to take these cases and, and it's people who want me to try to keep them out of prison, but they want to do the same thing that they've always been doing. And if you always do what you've always done, you're always going to get what you've always got, you know? And so she really worked for me. She really, I think, got emotionally involved in the case because she could see the change that I'd made, you know, I had proof. I had, you know, I had this family court to back me up. And unfortunately it wasn't like if I successfully completed family treatment court that that would, could count for my criminal stuff because it was two different things. You know, I know there's a drug court out there that's very similar to family court, but, but the family court wasn't something that they said, you have to do this. I chose to do that because I knew that that would be the quickest way to get my kids. That would be a way to prove, you know, what I was doing. And at the sentencing date, like I said, I, I there was a caseworker from Children's Vision, a juvenile officer, um, the guardian ad litem for my kids. All these people who, who were there and who at the beginning were like on the opposite side for me. These were the people who had taken my kids. These were, you know what I mean? And and it, at the beginning, I was very bitter to all them. But once I started doing what I was supposed to do, I found out that Children's Division isn't there to keep your kids from you. They're not there to take your kids away. They want they want to see the families together. They just want to make sure it's healthy. It took me a while to get that because, like I said, it was the enemy at first. 
And so I got sent in the stand, and all these people went up there, and they, and they went on the stand, and they testified for me, and, and they said, look, you know, she's changed everything around, and the prosecutor wanted to send me away for like 10 years, and, and yeah, and it was, you know, it was nerve-wracking, and I remember being so stressed out about it that the day I had to wake up court, I had this huge fever blister, I guess just for like all the stress, and it was so terrible, but um, I got in there, and the prosecutor tells the judge this and these people testify for me and he's like you know what he's like I'm gonna go against what the prosecutor wants and he was like and don't make me regret this he said don't let me see you in this courtroom in one year in six months or any time ever in the future because I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a on limb here and say that uh I think you know you don't deserve the prison time right I, I I, I don't know, maybe he thought that because, you know, we had just gotten kids back in the home, so it would be detrimental to take these kids back out of the home once they were just returned. Um, and so I got um, a crap ton of community service hours. I had uh, a lot of house arrest time and, you know, all these stipulations with hair follicle test every 30 days. There was a whole list of stipulations, but I didn't have to go to prison, which I thought for sure, for sure, I was going to go. And then my husband got sentenced at 1 o'clock that afternoon, and they gave him 10 years in prison. And and so, you know, that was rough because our life had just, our family just got back together. We were clean. Shit was going great. And now I have to figure out how to do this all on my own. And I had done it on my own before when my son's father had went to prison, but I, I did it by selling drugs and by hustling and by scamming. And, and you know, and now I was trying to live a different life. And, and I can't take any risks. I can't. I can't sell drugs again. I'm not going to have any more opportunities. I'll, I'll go away for a long time, and I know that. Besides that, my I, I learned how to be happy. Like I was actually happy. That was at about maybe a little over a year clean. And so my husband went away. Um, we, you know, like I said, we got married in the meantime. He went away. I picked up another job. I kept going to these NA meetings. Now I didn't. Now I didn't have. Children's Division telling me, you know, you have to go get this paper signed. Now I'm just going because, because I've made some awesome friendships in there because these people are just like me and I love the program. I love the program. It, it is a big part of, you know, keeping me clean. It's not necessarily what got me clean, but it's definitely what's kept me clean. I kept saying, keep coming back. And so I kept going back and I, and I still go back to this day. My husband probably won't have to do the whole 10 years but he's gonna to have to do a good portion of it. I've managed to stay clean through that. I've got, uh, I'm just one month shy of three years. January 16th, I will have been clean for three years. And uh, trust me, there's still times that I wanna throw the towel in, you know what I mean? When I, I work two jobs and I take care of these kids and, and I've managed to hold it all together, you know? And I have a good support system now. I actually have real friends. You know, when uh, I was using drugs, there was always people around, constantly people around, but they weren't my friends. They were drug acquaintances. They were clients. They, you know, it was none of them were my friends. And honestly, I didn't really like any of them. And so when I when I started going to these Bridgeway classes, and they're like, "Hey, you know, look, to be clean, to not use drugs, you got to change your people, places, and things. You got to completely." And, and that's true. You do. I mean, you can't put yourself around, but. For a lot of people, it was like, well, those are my friends, and I'm not, and I'm, and in my head, I'm thinking, woohoo, I don't even like these people anyway, so for, to wipe them out of my life, this is fantastic. Yeah, and so anyway, I've, I've made, throughout my recovery, I've made some awesome real friendships in the program. 
I'm happy. I've just learned to be happy. I used to be such an angry person, just so angry. And I used to live and do shameful things. And it took um, my kids being taken away from me to actually hit bottom. I had been to jail. I had been carjacked. I had been, I had lost, you know, um, my significant other to murder. I had, I had been through all that stuff and it was all terrible. And, and, and it was never a rock bottom for me, I guess, you know, maybe it was a rock bottom, but it, it was not enough. You know, when I, when they took my kids like that was it for me. And so, you know, I did what I had to do and, and here I am killing it three years later. <laughs> um, no, but I have a lot of support. Um, and I didn't always, you know what I mean? Like I said, with my kids being with my family during the time that the, the, they were in the state's custody, um, it caused a lot of problems. You know, there was a lot of issues with, um, with my family. There's a lot of grudges. It still isn't completely right with my brother and I. But I think the more time goes by, you know what I mean? Like at some point, look, I've got a long, long way to go. But one of these days, I'm going to have more cleaning time than I have using time. <laughs> i got a long time to go because I had a lot of using time. If I keep doing what I'm doing, I think I got a good chance. You know, there's, if I can stay sober to the end of this day, my chances of being sober the next day are, are that much better. So I just got to keep on doing what I'm doing and, and, uh, it can be done. I mean, look, it, it can be done. If I used to think there's no way I can quit using drugs, like there's just no way. And I, I remember reading somewhere once years and years ago, like that not really that many people recover um, from a meth addiction, you know? And so I just kind of had that in my head, like, oh, well, not that I probably, nobody else usually recovers, you know, so I probably won't. And I did. I did, it's possible. I mean, I was, I was pretty out there, you know what I mean? Like. It, I did things that I would have never thought I would have done, you know? I, I mean, like I always said, I would never use a needle. I'll never shoot up. I'll never shoot up. I'll just, you know, smoke my drugs. And um, and then it came to that, you know? It, you'll always do what you would never imagine you help doing. And then when I ran out of veins, I would shoot it up in my neck. I was pregnant. I mean, that's awful. I'm shameful of that. But that was what I had left to deal with. And uh, I look back and I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, who is that person? What? What was I thinking? But I'm in this awesome program where I can make amends for all that eventually, so there's that. First, I want to say congratulations. Thank you. You know, that's, it's awesome. Everything that you're doing is, is wonderful. And I want to say, um, you know, I'm an adult. I've got lots of kids myself, but I used to be that kid. You used to be my mom. And so for you to do that for your children, um, I just want to say mad respect. Thanks. You know, every, every kid wishes that they're important enough for their parent to do it for them. They always wonder why they're not good enough for that to happen. So thank you for doing that for your kids um, because not everybody gets that. Mm-mm. And so that's just, it's amazing and it's wonderful. And I just, I, I can't tell you enough, you know, how, how awesome you are for, for doing that. Thank for you. making your kids number one. Thank you. It's just, it's, it's really awesome. Are there any, any other pieces that you really want to touch on personally? Um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I touched a lot on how bad things were in the addiction but if I can really stress like 
it was a struggle to get clean. But once I got clean, like all these good things started happening. And even though I had all these stressors in my life, I had this criminal stuff hanging over my head. Like once I got better, my, my once I quit using, things just kept getting better and better and better. As rough as it is, there's a better way to live, man. And I used to think that there, there was just no way that I could get clean. Like, there was just no way. That was all I knew. That was how I knew to live, you know? I didn't know anything different, but there's a better way to live out there, you know? There is a better way. You just have to want it. And, and maybe if it's just wanting it just for your kids at first, you know what I mean? But, but there's a better way. One of the things you said a couple times is, you know, that there's a lot of things in your past that you, you have some shame and guilt over. Mm-hmm. Have you found the grace for the old Amy yet? Um, have you forgiven her? I have, in a way. I, I'm, I work a 12-step program. Obviously, there's 12 steps to work, and so further on down in the steps I, is is making amends. And I think once I get to that and I'm able to make the amends that I'm able to make, I think um, I will have completely forgiven myself. But it's important to work through these steps and they're in a certain order for a certain reason. And I have a sponsor that I talk to. I've forgiven myself for those things, but I'll be more at peace with it when I've been forgiven for those things. And in time, I'll get there, yeah. How does your dad, has, how is your and his relationship now? How has he responded to your recovery? Um, it's great. So, you know, when I first got in trouble, my dad and I have always been really close. Even, you know, throughout when I was at a low point in my addiction, we were still pretty close. I mean, he never, I'm sure he probably knew what was going on, especially after the very first time that I got in trouble. At that point, you know, like I said, he had no idea I was doing anything besides smoking weed. So at that point, he knew that I was messing with these hard drugs. He bailed me out of that, but after that, no more. And so I, well, I thought I was hiding it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, it wasn't something that we talked about. You know what I mean? I'm sure he probably knew something was going on. Um, you know, at one point I can remember him being like, where he had, my mom had said something to me. She was like, you know, your dad made the comment, you know, you were always having this money. Where the heck is it coming from? Because you're not working. And I think he knew, but maybe just kind of, turned his head the other way you know he he didn't live real far away but it wasn't close enough that we saw each other a whole lot but um our relationship was always good and then when when my kids went into the system and he ended up with them at first it put this huge stress on his relationship with his wife who I ne have never to this day still don't get along with you know and there was a lot of grudges there was the, the time that my kids were in state's custody and, and living with my family members um was a really trying time there was I was mad you know I was mad that his wife was chopping my daughter's hair off and I was I mean there was you know and he was very like that was a bad time for us that was a really bad time because he was like by the book completely more so than necessary you know what I mean to the point where like I would want to call and talk to him and be like, oh, well, if it's not okay with children, you know, it's like, fuck children's division. If I want to say hi to him on the phone, let me, you know what I mean? Like, you're my dad, come on. And and so he was really, like, strict and really, like, not about, you know, when they were in, when he had them, 
he had them and I didn't make the calls. I did I didn't call the shots, you know. Um, and he was strict about that and I and I was bitter about that. Like I felt like you're my dad, you know what I mean? But um like looking back, I still think he was a little overly much with it. But our relationship is great now. Um it's great. In fact, like I called him just today just the call just to chit chat, you know, and he used to not be like that. I mean, I would call him for a reason or I would call him when I need to help with my utility bills or, or what, you know what I mean? But like, um, it's always, we've always had a good relationship with the exception of that whole little thing there. And even then, like, it wasn't that it was bad. We just didn't, there just wasn't anything at that point. You know what I mean? But, um, it's, it's great. Now my relationship is great with all my family members, my siblings, not so much, but my mom and dad, yeah, we're close. That's awesome. What's a couple pieces of your experience with Children's Division that you think might surprise others to know about? Um, so, you know, before my kids were taken, there, you, you know, I obviously was around a lot of other addicts. I knew a lot of people that their kids had been taken, and um, it seemed like once their kids went into the system, like, that was it. They just didn't have kids anymore, you know? And so it was always like this negativity, you know, like, oh, once you, you know, Warren County takes your kids or once, you know, your kids go into state custody, you're not getting them back. They don't want to give your kids back. They want to take your kids and keep them from you. And, and that was, you know, kind of how I thought, but that's not that, that's not how it is at all. I mean, children's vision will bend over backwards to try to make it work. They want to see families together. They, they're not there to keep them apart. They're there to to make sure it's okay, to make sure it's healthy. So going into it, you know, I was like, it was they were the enemy. After getting a clear head and, and doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I realized that these people would bend over backwards to try to give me my kids back as long as I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, you know? Quit doing drugs, get a job. That's what normal people do anyway. It's not asking a lot. I mean, it, at the time it was asking, oh, it was asking for me to change my whole entire life, which was what I had to do. Um, but yeah, though, like I said, they went into a courtroom uh, and testified on my behalf in a criminal case. These are the people that are normally on the other side for me. These are the these are the enemies, you know. But um, they're my friends now. I mean, we stop by um, the office sometimes just to see our caseworker, just to say, hey, she like you know. And I and I told her, you changed my life. You may not realize that, but you know, she was always there, even when we were doing bad, you know, like not that we were doing bad, but at the beginning, you know, when, you know, hey, this is, you know, what you need to do. And I believe that you can do this. And um, they're not there to keep your kids. They want to see, they want to see you with your kids. You just got to do what's right and they'll, and they'll do anything to do, you know, put it that way. What do you think the most unexpected part of being a sober mom is? That you, the piece of that that you didn't expect or didn't, you know, um, I don't, I don't I mean, when, when you're in the middle of, of an addiction, right? Mm-hmm. Sobriety is not really something that's on your mind. Probably, mm-hmm. I would say, in my experience, it looks either boring or hard. Now that you're a sober mom, what piece of that is like, do you look at and go, wow, this is what I was missing? Um, so here's what I was missing. Like I said, my kids were always fed. They were always clean. They had toys. They, you know what I mean? They weren't neglected. But I was always too busy having people in and out of the house or having to run down the street or having to, you know, go somewhere. The time, the time that I have with, you know, and, and fortunately, 
or maybe unfortunately for my son, fortunately for my daughter, like my daughter was one when, when I got clean. So she'll never remember mom and active addiction. My son was almost 10 years old when I got clean. So he's got 10 years that of active addiction that I was in, um, that, you know, unfortunately for him, he, he knows, but now the time, like I have all this time now with my kids that I previously was running drugs and, and behind closed doors, you know, like I, I never, it's not like I used in front of my kids, but I would spend two hours in the bathroom with the door locked, you know, with my son knocking at the door, mom, you know, go away, go away. All this time that I have that I'm not running and doing the bullshit that comes with, with active addiction, um, as is the time I have with my kids, you know, that I can play with them or watch movies with them or just all the time that I, I never realized I was losing. What beauty do you see in your life that you think you might not have experienced if you hadn't been through the hard time you've been through? Just enjoying the time with my kids, not just going through the motions, you know? Active addiction, I just went through the motions to take care of them. But now, you know, like I notice, I notice the little things, like just the little things, the funny expressions they make, as silly as that is, I didn't notice that stuff before. I just did what I had to do to make sure they were taken care of. And the little things they say, the cute things they say or do, or even, you know, even a, a lot of times, you know, I would do anything just to pacify them, just to keep, you know, keep you out of my hair. Here's this, Go, you know what I mean? Um, and so there was really no discipline so much. Even now, like, I, dis I have to discipline my kids and, and as stupid as that sounds, like, there's beauty in that because I'm taking care of them. I'm teaching them right from wrong. I'm not just saying, here's a coloring book, go make yourself happy, or here's, you know what I mean? It, um, teaching them what's right and wrong, and it feels good because I know what I'm doing is right, you know? Um, just seeing them be happy. And I can see, like, you know, my son, he's, so much happier now. I mean, like I said, he was, he was 10 years old when I, um, maybe yeah, right at 10, when I um, got clean. And I've always been really close with him. But he's like so excited about my recovery and he knows like how much more I'm present in his life, you know? Um, when I go to these meetings, like he, he knows what's going on. You know, he was old enough to know, like, well, he knew, obviously they raided the house. He knew that he was taken away from me because of drugs, you know? And at first he was kind of like, oh, it was all, it was all done. It was my mom, my mom definitely wasn't doing this, you know? But then at some point it was kind of like, okay, you know, we had, mom was doing it. And, and the reason that you can't come live with me right now is because I have to get better. And so he's all about my recovery. I mean, like he is like, gung-ho if there's a meeting and mom isn't there gonna be a meeting tonight you know I mean he's all about it because he's seen the change he's seen um probably your biggest supporter oh yeah definitely that's awesome yeah definitely he's the biggest supporter he uh he enjoys going to the meetings with me some of them are boring for him and he likes to stay home and plays video games but you know he's all about like hey there's a meeting tonight in fact there's there's all these that's another thing I I, I can suggest you if you're if you're struggling if you're trying to get clean if you want to live a different way there's a different way to live and, and and it's great but you have you have to put forth the effort to do it you know what I mean get involved get involved it, things that you wouldn't have normally done give it a try because you're you're 
If you're not using your brain's a little clearer now, you know what I mean? Go get a library card, get involved in the community things. Go to NA, there's meetings, there's all these, there's all these activities that they do. And um, I remember the first, you know, the first activity I did with um, the NA program, there was this bowling event and it was like, uh, okay, we don't have nothing else to do. Let's, you know, give it a try. And I remember going and like having a blast and on the way home looking at my husband and being like, wow, like that was actually fun. You know, we weren't high, we weren't fucked up and that was fun. And so we started doing these more events and, and now, um, my husband's in prison, but so there's like, they do this yearly scavenger hunt and uh, my son's like, well, I'll go with you to it, you know? And, uh, we went to it and, uh, and it was a blast. I mean, you know, it, it, it was a blast and, uh, we took first place <laughs> and, uh, one tickets to another event, you know? So yeah, my son's my number one supporter. What are a couple things you could share for others who are going through their hard time right now? If you were talking to a friend who was in the middle of that, the middle of the place you were a couple of years ago? Um, you know, I have, I actually have a friend who I talk to about this often. She, her kids have been in and out of the system countless times and she just struggles and she just can't seem to quite grasp, you know, she'll get some clean time in and then go right back and, and it's a struggle watching her because, uh, because I know that there's a better way. God, I know there's a better way. And if you want it bad enough, it's out there. It's available no matter how screwed up you think you are. Because trust me, I was screwed up. I had a lot of bad things going on. I had a lot of I had this criminal stuff hanging over my head. I had, you know, um, there's a better way to live. And if you're struggling, it'll pass. It's, you know, it'll pass. Go to a meeting. Um, that's, I mean, that would be like my, my number one suggestion. Go to a meeting. And if you don't like that meeting, find another meeting because there's, we're fortunate enough in this area that there's tons of them. There's two or three a day if you, you know, if you, if you need it at that bad. Because there's a lot of support there. Make a phone call, pick up the phone, call somebody. Just don't use, no matter what. Just don't use. It, it gets better. When you were struggling, how did you finally realize it had turned from like a recreational thing to an addiction? Like when you went, oh crap, what is this? Oh, sitting in a jail cell. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sitting in jail thinking, how in the hell am I going to post bond? Because, yeah, being in jail was when I knew. And then getting out of jail and doing the same thing, you know, and expecting different results, insanity. Um, that was when I knew. What's your family life look to you during that time frame? You know, as you were experiencing that, you know, trying to get through just through, through that whole struggle, you know, but you have your kids running around. How did you think about your family life as it went? I mean, well, there was the family treatment court program, children's division, the whole foster because it's all. They're doing everything for a reason, you know. And I didn't see that at first. It was like I'm getting better. Give me my kids back, you know, I haven't used, give, you know, but there's a method to their madness. There, there really is. And once I got through it all and looking back on it, I realized that I was sick. I was very sick with addiction. Okay. My husband was very sick with addiction. I don't think that we would have been able to handle trying to get clean and sober and learning how to live a different way, learning how to be accountable, be responsible, have a job while taking care of our kids. There's a reason that they were taken out of the home and, and for the amount of time they were. And it, was, it was for everybody's own good. 
You know what I mean? Um, we couldn't have done that while trying to take care of a family. There's no way. There's no way. You know, so thinking about it at the time, it was frustrating. We just wanted our family. But in hindsight, we wouldn't have been able to have been there like we should have been there until we learned how to how to live differently. So there, it was, you know, it's, it's for a reason. Everything's for a reason. There were times that it didn't seem fair. There were times that I went into the courtroom in front of the judge, you know, for family court. You see the judge uh, a couple times a month and... Um, had, you know, been like, look, this isn't fair. And I was always one to speak my mind. Like, I, w- I would get up there and uh, I, w- I would see my treatment worker from Bridgeway and, and the ki- and the children's division caseworker. They're sitting in the courtroom and they're just like, oh my gosh, because they knew I'd get up there and I would tell it like it was. You know, I there was times that I was like, look, they shortened my visits and I'm doing everything I'm supposed to and this is complete bull crap. And they're like, you're in front of the judge. You can't say that. You know, um, even though it didn't seem like it at times, it's a fair program. They're being fair to you. You just got to put in the footwork. You really do. Um, I don't even remember what your question was. I probably got way off of it. <laughs> when you first started that plan, did you feel like you had the strength to get through the parenting plan that they'd set up, or did that seem like an unreasonable obstacle? At the beginning, it was a lot. They're like you... You have to do this, you have to do this, you have to be here, you have, you know, and it was just like, oh my God, this is so much, when all I'm trying to do is just not do drugs, you know what I mean? It, sometimes it was like, man, there's one thing at a time, like, let me get this under control, let me get used to not using drugs every day before you throw this other stuff at me, but but like I said, it's for a reason, you have to be held accountable. If you want to not do drugs, you have to keep yourself busy, and that, and that was the whole idea of it, and I didn't realize that at first. It was like, my God, they want us to be a thousand places a week and have a job and and it's like they leave you no time to do anything well duh because if you if you have this extra time it's idle time and and that's you know that's a danger um looking back on it with the cops coming and the raid and everything that happened had that not have happened would you be where you are today no i mean it was, eventually I knew it was going to happen. I knew that I couldn't get away with selling drugs for years without nothing happening. There's always going to be the snitch out there. There's all, you know what I mean? Um, and it was almost like, had my kids not been, it, it was almost like a relief for me. When they raided the house, you know, and I went to jail and it, and it was kind of almost like a relief. Like, man, thank God I don't have to do this anymore. Like, I can finally do something different. But then it's like, shit, aha. I don't know how to do anything different. So I don't know where I would be at um, had that not happened. I would probably, if I was fortunate enough to go more years without getting caught, I would probably still be doing it. If, I I don't know. I don't know where I would be. Definitely not. um, I would probably be super depressed, um, you know, along with drug addiction. Depression is definitely there with it. I would say pretty much for anybody, regardless if that was depression before you weren't depressed before using drugs, trust me, after using them, you definitely will be. I don't know. I don't know where I would be exactly if the cops hadn't came that day. I would probably definitely not be married to my husband, for sure, because our relationship was going nowhere at all. My kids, everything would be different. My whole life would be different. I don't know where I would be. I would eventually, like I said, eventually it was bound to happen. I, it, jail, you know, if you think you're going to use drugs and sell drugs and, and never get in trouble... I mean, there might be that one or two extremely lucky people out there, but um, 
the system's all going to be a part of your life if you eventually, eventually it's going to happen. Your kids are going to get taken or you're going to go to jail or you're going to be in an institution or you're going to be dead. There's just no way around that. So if the cops hadn't come and raided the house and taken my kids, I would probably, I would probably be dead, honestly because the drugs out there now are no joke. I mean, I was fortunate enough for all the years that I did drugs. People are dropping left and right I was, all the time. Yes, I was so fortunate that I never, and I, mean, I got sick from drugs, I, you know what I mean? But I never died, and I think that if the cops hadn't come that day, um, that was three years ago, I would, have prob I would probably be dead right now, definitely. If we were sitting here three years from today, and you were looking back, what would you like to be able to say about the Amy that you became over those three years? Um, so I've been working on a few things. I actually, um, over the past year, got a state credential as a substance abuse counselor. I've been unable to use that credential because I'm on a state probation. and. I've, I've had a couple job opportunities, but because I'm on a state probation, they, most of the people you're working with as a substance abuse counselor are people that are also on um, some sort of probation, so they want you to not be on probation. So hopefully in three years from now, I'm going to be able to sit here and tell you that I've been able to use that state credential, that I actually have a career, you know, helping other people or giving other people hope anyway. I mean, at the low point in my life, there was... I thought there was no hope for me. I thought, you know, I was a lifer. For sure, I thought I was a lifer. But three years from now, um, you know, I, I'll i be living my best life. Um, it keeps getting better. Look, I, in the past three years, things have only gotten better, and they, and they continue to get better. And I, and I deal with my struggles. My husband is gone. I'm, I'm a single mom now. I'm working two jobs, and, and it's a struggle. But in three years, I think it's going to be ten times better than it is now, for sure. I will hopefully, you know, be able, like I said, to use that credential to uh, continue to support my family. I think things will only get better. That'd be great if drugs <laughs> could support your family again in that way. When he, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, wait a minute, you lost me there for a minute. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Yeah. So, yeah, that's awesome. Well, yeah. I appreciate you coming and talking to us today. Yeah, no worries. I, I'm... Uh, I hope that somebody can hear my message that's struggling, you know, if uh, you think there's no hope, man, there's hope. Like anybody can do it. You, you gotta, it's not easy. You gotta put forth a little bit of effort, you know. You might have to go check yourself in, you know. It, it, there's, there's no shame in asking for help. There's definitely no shame in asking for help. We, you know, don't be ashamed. If you need help, ask for it for sure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow, what a story. I want to thank Amy for being willing to come on with such openness and honestness and vulnerability and tell her story in a way that most people could never do. You know, most people who go through something like this, once they get through it, they never want to be reminded of it again. The problem with that is that you don't have the ability to help someone else with their struggles if you don't open up and tell your story as well. So we want to thank Amy for being willing to come on and share parts of her story that I'm certain were uncomfortable for her to talk about. But we really hope that this helps someone out there who's struggling. Here at Foster Care and Unparalleled Journey, one of our stated missions is providing strength for the weakest among us. 
and one of the pieces of strength that we can add is to give families whose kids have been taken into foster care the hope that there is a way to come out the other side. To do more than just give up and assume that they'll never be able to get their kids back. Because regardless of what anyone thinks about a person whose kids are in care, that kid probably loves their mom and dad more than we could ever understand. And they want nothing less than to have their parents get their stuff straight so that they can come back into their lives and take care of them the way that a parent should. So part of our mission is to support kids in foster care and help increase the awareness about the needs of foster parents and more foster families. Another part of our mission is to help biological families get their stuff together and know that there is hope. So thanks again, Amy, for coming on the show and being so open and honest and vulnerable. It's something that we don't see very often. If you guys have made it all the way through, I know this has been a long ride, but wow, it was worth it. We appreciate you taking your time to listen to our show. So please do us a favor and run by the website at jasonmpalmer.com and check out the blog and all the resources there. We really appreciate it if you would go by the Foster Care and Unparalleled Journey Facebook page. Give us a like. Let us know what you do and don't like, what you would like to hear. This show is part of our mission, but without the audience, we would have nobody to listen to it. So let us know what we're doing right and what you'd like to see in the future. We appreciate your time. Be sure and give us a like and leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen to your podcast at. It really helps get the show out. If you haven't heard any of our other shows, be sure and go back and listen to The Legacy of Standing with Turtle. That's another story, but that one is told from my wife and I's perspective as we raised a little boy through his journey in foster care. It was quite a long and harrowing journey for such a little guy, and it's definitely worth a listen. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you guys next time.